Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this podcast on the 20th of February, Tuesday, 2018. It is 12.14 p.m. Central Standard Time, so that's a wonderful day, mm-hmm. wonderful time. No better time to do a podcast with our very own Starla Gooch. Well, thanks for having me, JC. How are you doing? Doing well. A little wet, drying, drying my feet as we speak. Uh, but other than that, it's, it's a nice day. Air dry, right? It's, well, that's, that's, the, that's the hope, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you for joining me. Thank you for being here. What we're going to do in this podcast, and this is a series I've done, we've gone uh, to different people on campus and we, we hear their stories. We let them do the talking. So I'm going to try and shut up. That's very hard for me to do. <laughs> but I'm going to attempt to do that. We're going to go through Starla's time here at Evangel, why you decided to come here, what you majored in, and what you do now. And you're the associate pastor here, correct? That is correct. Okay. Well, uh, so when did you uh, come to Evangel? first as a student yes so i came in 2013 to the seminary um so i I got my undergraduate degree elsewhere and then i came here in 2013 to get my master of divinity at agts okay cool um why did you decide to come specifically to this school yeah great question so when i was looking at different seminaries i i started looking at seminary my freshman year of college you okay. know and so i was i was really gung-ho on everything i would do my my roommates and sweetmates would joke that i had an 18-year plan which has now all just been disseminated i mean it just obliterated yeah. you know because god totally you know just likes to to change our plans a little mm-hmm. bit um so what i realized when i was graduating i went to indiana wesleyan university and it was extremely formative for me and my faith. Mm-hmm. And when I was graduating, I realized that because I got a lot of the Wesleyan doctrine and like from the holiness movement and all of that, I really wanted to explore my own Pentecostal tradition and heritage. Mm-hmm. And I realized in a lot of ways I felt more Wesleyan than I felt Pentecostal, and which was a really good thing. And actually very connected because Pentecostalism comes out of the Wesleyan holiness movement. Interesting. Um, but when I was looking at seminaries, that was what I realized I wanted the most. Um, a lot of my experience in Pentecostal churches were with uneducated people. And so I wanted to go to a place where I could be with Pentecostal scholars right. whose commitment to following Christ was coupled with their commitment to scholarship and that I could dig deep with some of my questions of my own faith and my own tradition. So I had a professor who was my theology professor who, funnily enough, he was actually, he came to Christ in an Assemblies of God church. Mm. And he actually wanted to become an AG minister himself, but he could never speak in tongues. And Mm. so he ended up having to go elsewhere. But he really loved the AG community. His wife grew up AG. And he pulled me aside a couple of times and was like, have you considered the Assemblies of God Theological Seminary? It's a really great school. I think it, I think you'd be a good fit there. I think it'd be a good fit they for you. They told you that. It's my, my professor told me this. Okay. And so I decided to check it out. My senior year of college over fall break, I brought a friend. She was AG as well. And we had met in the ch- church music um, major because um, I was a church music major my freshman year and then dropped it to a minor. Interesting. Um, but yeah, so I, I grabbed Danica and I said, hey, I'm going to go down and visit. You want to go with me? And so we came down October of, of my senior year and had a really great experience. And then we both ended up coming here. So, wow. Yeah. And this was in 2013? That would have been, when I visited, would have been in 2011. I graduated okay. undergrad in 2012. Okay. okay. So after undergrad, I actually deferred seminary for a year 
and went and served at my home church as a discipleship pastor. Um, so I had a 13-month contract. Wow. And then after that, I moved down here to Springfield and started my education. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Never looked back. Ha! <laughs> ha! That's funny. That's funny. You know, I had on our first day of student, new student orientation, the seminary president at the time, Dr. Byron Klaus, actually preached this message on when God brings you to a new place, where you're coming from always looks better yeah. than where you're going. And, and that's really how I felt because... I was doing a job that I loved mm -hmm. and it was a hard environment and not the healthiest of churches is my home church. Um, so I knew it well, um, but I'd been doing what I loved mm -hmm. and leaving that to, con to go to no man's land, to commit to a period of wilderness when I couldn't get a job, when all kinds of things were going on. Um, it was harder than I'd fully prepared for mm -hmm. so where you're coming from always looks better but um god's truly provided as i've as i've kept saying yes and where are you from you, you might have said that i'm from cincinnati ohio cincinnati ohio mm -hmm. wow okay so compare here to cincinnati ohio for those of us who haven't been outside <laughs> over in that area uh -huh. what's it like um it is the best city in the world us ohioans we love our state Buckeyes for life. Um, I mean, I, I just love it. I don't know how to compare it. All I know is Springfield, Missouri is a very interesting place. Yeah. I I don't want to put it down because it is now my home. Right, right. Um, but you kind of come to Springfield, and I, I think of Springfield as more like, rather than a normal city, it's it's kind of feels like a large suburb. Mm -hmm. um, and... It kind of feels like coming back in time about 20 years when you come and visit. Uh, I know that this experience is very different for everybody because some people come from more rural areas and they're like, no, this is like a great city. Um, but, but Springfield is just its own culture. And so it was actually a lot more culture shock coming here than I had anticipated. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting, too. Yeah. I mean, literally, the tallest building in Springfield is, I think, 22 stories, 21 or 22 stories. Mm -hmm. And that's the law, that you can't build anything higher than that. Wow. So, I mean, it's just mm. a very different kind of city. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Many of you know I'm from Houston, Texas. I moved to Branson, Missouri my eighth grade year. And I'll tell you what, um, big city to smaller city to now yeah. Springfield, there are a lot of differences. Yeah. And one thing I find here, being at Evangel, and I'm sure you can agree to this, there are a lot of people that up until they go to college, they haven't been outside of where they live. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm sure there's been a lot of culture shock stories like the one you just mentioned. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, and I think what's interesting, in Springfield, you, of course, have a bunch of different colleges, but this is where M Missouri State University is. You go to MSU students, and you ask them where they're from, where they're from and they all list cities in Missouri. You know, mm -hmm. that's that demographic. Yeah. Evangel's very unique because you ask where people are from here and they'll list states. Interesting. So we really have people from all over the nation. I mean, even Hawaii. I think that speaks volumes right mm -hmm. there. Just the, the impact and the draw that Evangel has yeah. Yeah. from really all around the world. Oh, um, yeah. That's yeah. We, I mean, especially with um, the Assemblies of God influence in global missions. So this is even Global Impact Week here at Evangel. Yes, um, that's important. We get a lot yeah. of missionary kids who come from all over, all over. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Cool.
So your time here at Evangel, what was your favorite part of being a student here? Hmm. You know, that's a hard question because yeah. the biggest thing that God really did while I was a seminary student was he formed me in deep ways, mm-hmm. most of which were extremely painful. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't really think back on the, you know, those three years of my life from 2013 to 2016 and have a lot that I'm like, oh, that was just really fun and exciting. Right. Um, not that I wasn't enjoying myself right. in the process, um, but it was really appreciation for the way that God formed me in very deep ways. You know, when I came, I thought I was pretty good mm-hmm. and pretty pretty well formed. And I think I was, but then God still does deeper work and yeah. it's excruciating. Yeah. So what was most meaningful to me yes, here that's a better way. was the way I describe it and in, in at AGTS in our seminary is that my professors weren't just people I wanted to learn from they're people that I want to be like. Mm. And that's what I think of, of why, because I actually grew up, well, both of my parents were Baptist. Okay. Um, Until I was nine, about nine, I was in a Southern Baptist church, and then we moved to a Pentecostal church, but it was non-denominational. Interesting. So I did not come here as part of the Assemblies of God. I just came from a non-denom Pentecostal church. And through my time at the seminary, at first I thought, well, I'm open to being AG. And then I thought, nah, I don't think I'm going to. Um, but then it was my, my community at my church. It was really because of my pastors that, I don't want to say they, they made me get credentialed, but they kind of sped up my own process to say, we really want you to do this. And that was how I decided to become AG. But it was because of, I realized this was the community I wanted to be a part of. Mm-hmm. I, I knew I needed a tribe. I couldn't, I didn't yeah. want to just do, be in ministry on my own. Um, I was thinking of church planting. I didn't want to just plant a church on my own, mm-hmm. not just for my sake, but for the good of, of other, of, of the people that I, God wants to use me to reach and to, mm-hmm. and to disciple and develop that being a part of something bigger than ourselves is really important. So when I looked at the AG and I looked at the people in my life, these these are people who are people full of the, the presence of Christ and the Spirit of God who invite God into every part of their life and they're the people that I want to rub up against right. and grow to be like because if I'm like them, then I think I'm a little more like Christ. This is the community that, um, you know, when, when you look... Pentecostalism is the largest growing movement of, of Christianity. Um, when you look at what God's done through our movement in the last hundred years, it's unbelievable. And so being a part of a community that has a global awareness and a global impact. Another thing is like the church multiplication network mm-hmm. of the Assemblies of God. Um, I, I had one church planter that talked about that as like the, the research and development phase. And so um, I think that through and through as Pentecostals, we're practitioners. That's what we do. That's part of our weakness as well of, to our own detriment that at times we haven't taken the amount of time we've needed to prepare. And so when you look at after Azusa Street in 1906 or, or whenever that was. Um, and that was a big moment in Pentecostal history. Correct? That was where the Pentecostal movement 
where we most attribute kind of its birth and its launching was the beginning of the 20th century and Azusa Street was huge where um, a lot of people came out of that and started doing missions. Um, But the average missionary served less than a year Hmm. because so many people died out on the field. Wow. Um, Why? Because they weren't prepared. Wow. Because they experienced the Spirit of God, but they didn't associate that with needing to develop and to be trained and to prepare for their going. They were just people who said yes. So our strength of our movement is that we're people who say yes, wow. and we're going to go and do it, and we're going to be rely on the presence of God. Um, but what we've neglected a bit is the development and training that needs to be associated with saying yes to God and those seasons of where God just forms you in the wilderness, so to speak. Um so, I mean, that's kind of, I know I've kind of gone over the place with your question, but no. um, the meaningful parts to me are the community and the, the tribe, essentially, that, that I wanted to be a part of that allowed space for me to be formed, not just intellectually, but also spiritually and in my heart and in my awareness of God and how he moves in me and through me, um, and then empowered me to, to do that in ministry. Fantastic. Yeah. That's that's powerful. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. And I can relate to you in the sense that these, you know, past two years at Evangel have been the most life-changing years of my life. Mm-hmm. And like you, I came to Evangel thinking I was very mature already, and I think I was. I had to grow up pretty fast. But there's something about going through the college experience and mm-hmm. having really God at the center of all of that, mm-hmm. not just a regular old college. Yeah. And it grows you into an even more person as a whole and mm-hmm. just a whole being, you know, whether it's emotionally, mentally, physically, it's, there's something about being here. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to worship a vandal, but it, it's God through this school yeah. that has done so much for me and I'm sure others like yourself as well. Yeah, and what we find in spiritual development is that we're most shaped when we're with other people. Yeah. And it's the iron and iron um, analogy that that's offered to us in Proverbs that is, is, you know, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. And when we want to grow to be like Christ, we have to do that with other people. And so it's who are the people that I want to be shaped with and by. And I think that that's what we get to do at Evangel that's just amazing is, is, is the people that we're with. Like we're, we're people of the Spirit. And, and it's not to an exclusive concept that other people aren't. Because there are plenty, like I look, I think of my college experience with undergrad, and man, I was shaped by spirit-filled, empowered people Mm -hmm. um, from a different tradition. And part of engaging in a different tradition, or even part of my own, but in a different way, um, was extremely formative, and it kind of saved me in certain ways. Um, and, And that's the biggest thing that I think we tend to neglect is when we're looking at something like schooling, like you're committing to three to four years, you know, four years for me in undergrad, three years for me in graduate school, um, but you're committing to three to four years as a part of a community that is intent on, like the whole reason we go to school is to grow ourselves. Right. And um, It's not just for the degree, it's for the life experience. If you come and out and you only have a degree, you've lost the value of your education. Yep, yep. Yeah. That really sums up I, what Evangel is about, I think. I just, yes, we're about education, 
Yeah. But it's all about calling. And that's what I hear so much while I'm here. Calling, calling, calling. Whether it's with you, Pastor Greg, or uh, President Taylor. Mm -hmm. Calling is so important. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's not just, as you've said, your little C calling and your big C calling. Mm -hmm. What you want to do with your life versus what you're called to do. God cares about both, but we have to form our identity first. Mm-hmm. And that is so, that is the best lesson I've learned here at Evangel. Mm-hmm. Just the idea that we are all called to something, but we're all called to be children of God mm-hmm. first. Yeah. Um, so that's huge. Now, you're the associate pastor. Mm-hmm. Uh, when did you start that? So, in my second year of seminary, they created a new position specifically to work with the discipleship administrators and discipleship leaders on campus. Mm -hmm. So we have a very developed structure of discipleship on campus where every residence hall has a discipleship administrator, and then they have two discipleship leaders on each floor Mm -hmm. that lead in devos that are for chapel credit. So every student at Evangel is required to have 33 chapel credits a semester. They're going and participating in, in our chapel spiritual formation events Mm -hmm. um so when they were moving it used to be that you basically got like three to one credit like you go to three devo floor devos and you can get one chapel credit then they moved to like two well then they moved to have a one for one and when that was created they you know the administration was like well that's that's great but you have to make sure that it's a quality that's occurring in the floor devos yeah so they actually hired two positions called campus discipleship assistants um one for men and one for women and that was a new position and i got hired into that and when when was that and that would have been in 2014 so the 2014-15 academic year was my second year of seminary and i did that for two years and then i graduated and we have our primary well not just our primary our student ministries organization on campus is called crosswalk and there was the staff sponsor of that at the time or the faculty sponsor was dr sandy friesen and she was ready to step down from that role mm-hmm. and pass it off to somebody else and it just so happened that she wanted to do that at the same time that i was graduating from seminary um, and i was already kind of planning on staying in the area and then they kind of got to, it was a part-time position essentially that, that Sandy was doing and um, it was part of her academic load and all that kind of stuff. Um, but then they created a full-time position to um, be, you know, so my official title of what I do is the coordinator of student ministries and discipleship. Okay. Kind of, and then that's in the associate campus pastor role. Um, but then, so two years ago in, in twenty. 16 2017 that last year was my first year full-time in the role that i'm doing wow yeah congratulations i've been here this is my fourth year but it's my second year full-time okay congratulations that's pretty big thank you yeah what is your number one passion uh, as the associate pastor here and working in student ministry what do you want to see what what is what keeps you doing this yeah what's your motivation so obviously it's that people our students, our campus, everybody here at Evangel is formed into the image of Christ. But we're called to communion with Christ and to be like Him. And really what we do with Crosswalk is our goal, and with all spiritual life, 
is to cultivate a spiritually transformative community on campus. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's really everything that we're built for and everything we're geared for is to cultivate spiritually transformative communities that create space for God to change us through and through, mm-hmm. um, to grow us in communion with him and grow us to be like him. Great. Cool. And what is one thing you've learned from your time doing mm-hmm. this? I know you've probably learned a lot, but one thing that really stands out. Man, I'm going to go off your question and do a couple things. Okay. Because I think they go hand in hand. One of the biggest things is that it's affirmed just how much God really does transform lives. Um. And it's, and it's not an easy process. It's a very messy process. But I think especially in American Christianity, we very much limit what we actually believe God can do. Yes. And we tend to make things so much more superficial than God does. We yes. measure Christian growth in the wrong ways. We, we you know what all pastors talk about is is how we tend to measure bodies, budgets, and buildings. You know, Mm -hmm. how many people are in your church seats? How large is your building? How big is your budget? And um, what's kind of fun about working with Crosswalk is that we have very little money. Mm -hmm. Um, We don't have a building, you know, like, I mean, we have a nice campus, like that kind of stuff, but that's not any sort of measure for what we do. And um, really what we're kind of all about is rather than just doing large group gatherings, we're all about how do we cultivate small group connections Mm. and small relationships, one-on-one and one-on-a-few, where people are deeply transformed. And so it's it's almost this reversal of so much of what the American church has become that's just about events and and tends to be about just making people look good and, and, you know, not to be harsh but um Mm -hmm. i could go off on a whole tangent with that um but it's it's so much fun especially you grab somebody from the ages of 18 to 22 and you stick them in an environment where they have support in every area of their life holistically and they're being challenged in every area of their life Mm -hmm. from relationships to intellect to emotions to um physical you know i mean just financial i mean i mean everything in, in this time frame is being challenged and you put them in an environment where they have support in all those areas and spiritual support and man you just grow like crazy and yeah. so I get to see people from their freshman year through their senior year be radically transformed by the power of God through community and then go out and do really awesome things and that's so exciting to just get to walk alongside people and be part of that process so I think it's, that's been a great affirmation of what God can do in somebody's life as I just see it over and over and over again. Yeah. And, um, but I think the biggest thing that God's been doing this year um, really kind of came out of um, a few things we were doing, but I was reading a book called Immeasurable by Sky Jathani that is uh, basically reflections on the soul of church leadership and the soul of ministry in the age of church Inc., what he mm. calls it, of how much we make church of like an incorporated... Yeah organization and he had a chapter on missionalism where he talked about how we often make 
mission, the primary thing of the Christian life, when actually it's secondary. That the primary focus, the primary goal, I don't even want to say goal, but the primary thing of the Christian life is communion with God. Hmm. And mission is secondary. Um, And I think that that's what we tend to mess up in American Christianity, is that we just want people to come in and start doing stuff. Yeah. And what we miss is that you're first called to be with Christ and with his body. Um, and if you don't experience fellowship with God first, your whole life goes out of whack. And what you find is you, you gain the world of ministry, but you lose your soul. Mm. And I think that this has really been a huge shift. And even what we do with Crosswalk is one of the things we say all the time is you're a person first and a leader second. That's good. Um, what I get a little frustrated with, and, and I'm actually is a grave concern of mine for the American church, is that we focus so much on leadership as a buzzword. Um, but if your goal is to become a good leader, you will look like one in form, but you will have no heart to support that. Yeah. So you can come in and you can give great leadership principles and live by those things and be somebody that has quotable and tweetable phrases. And you can even set up a good structure and do that kind of stuff. But if you miss that fellowship with God is above everything else, right. then you start sacrificing everything for the leadership mm. rather than realizing that um, everything should be sacrificed for who Jesus is and who I am with him. And I have to live out of who I am with Jesus in order. And what I'll find is, I mean, what you find there at scripture is, is Moses never started, you know, he never, his goal is never to become a good leader. Right. David's goal is never to be a good leader. Jesus's goal was never to be a good leader. Mm. Um, what, what they were is their people. They were just trying to survive, but they were fully focused on the face of God and being with God. And then as they were being shaped with God, um, they became people of influence that others wanted to follow. Sometimes, actually, Moses had a pretty hard. I don't think people really wanted to follow him that often. <laughs> Some reason we, we take all of his leadership principles and we, we try to extract them and right. and make things out of them when um, really he had a lot of people revolt against him. Yeah. There are a lot of times where he's like, ah, what is this that you've given me? God, I'd rather die. You know. <laughs> but even that shows that he had communion with God above all else. And when he lost it, when he started focusing on the mission, rather than on fellowship. Mm. Um, that's when that's when he messed up. That's when he struck the rock instead of speaking to it. Um, Stiff-necked people. Yeah. yeah. So I think that, that I think that we are in a spot in American Christianity where we are gaining the world but we're losing our souls. And so as much as we can cultivate the sp- communion with God for the goodness of our souls mm. and be people first with God, um, I think that that reorients everything in our life. But it's a very challenging process, yeah. and it's a painful process, because we literally have to put on the altar of sacrifice all of our ambitions, all of our doings, all the things that we think we're good at, even our sense of call, mm-hmm. to be able to have Christ first. We really do have it backwards when you brought up being able to look at leaders, and they look great, mm-hmm. but they may not have what it really takes to be a leader on the inside. Mm-hmm. And when I look at even historical leaders, the really good ones didn't go into it with, man, I want to be a great leader one day. Mm -hmm. They went into it and said, how can I make one small difference? Mm -hmm. And then it just built. Mm -hmm. And now you've got some of those great names in history. And and I think that really is the formula. It's where's your motivation? 
Why are you doing what you're doing? Mm -hmm. And if it's for the, the leadership position, then that's the wrong kind of motivation to have. Mm -hmm. um, in closing, before we conclude the podcast, yeah. how can people get a hold of you? If they want to talk with you, how should they uh, reach out? Um, probably the best way is through email. Okay. Um, and my, my evangel email, which is gooch S, okay. my last name, G-O-O-C-H-S, cool. at evangel.edu. Um, and, of course, like, if it's just a shout-out or whatever, I mean, I'm on Twitter at Starla Gooch and, and all Twitter. that. But, you know, um, if, you, if you really want to connect, email is probably the best way. Great. And that would be for uh, Crosswalk as well, right? They'd contact you? Uh, you could. You could also email us at crosswalk at evangel.edu. Um, well. We have that email. Um, and that goes to, uh, you know, I'm the staff sponsor, but we have um, students who, it's, we're a student-led organization. Um, so we have an executive director, and associate director. Um, and so if they email us at crosswalk at evangel.edu, they uh -huh. will get in touch with the right people. Wonderful. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for uh, having me. Guys, I hope this makes a difference in your lives. Know that... The reason we do this podcast, the reason we do anything in the media department is because stories matter. Mm. And everybody has a story, whether it's Starla or myself or anybody else on this campus. It's the stories that make us who we are because they impact other people and they can make a difference. So I thank you for listening to this and uh, we'll talk to you next time. God bless you and have a great day. Bye-bye.